Space, the final frontier. This is the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. Its mission to explore the solar system, to seek out new observations and data, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now the host of the Observer's Notebook, Tim Robertson. Welcome to episode 162 of the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. My name is Tim Robertson. I'm the host of the Observer's Notebook and also the coordinator of the training program within the ALPO. Thanks for downloading and listening. ALPO collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomenon and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, The Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. This podcast depends upon donations from you. That's right. You are listeners to keep it going. If you enjoy what you hear in the podcast, you can donate to it via Patreon. You can start off by giving as little as $1 a month. If you feel even more generous for $5, you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For a monthly donation of $10, receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook. And for $35 a month, you receive producer credits on the podcast. You can find out more at www.patreon.com slash Observer's Notebook. If you'd like to join the Alpo, membership begins at only $22 a year. For more information, find us at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And we're also on Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy. And this podcast also has a Facebook page as well. Just search for Observer's Notebook. And if you enjoy what you hear in the podcast, please subscribe. That way you'll never miss another episode. And now, episode 162. And we're talking meteor showers. And that must mean Bob Lunsford. Enjoy. Welcome everybody back to this edition of the Observer's Notebook, and we are talking meteor showers. That means we're talking about talking to Bob Lunsford. Welcome to the podcast, Bob. Thank you very much. Good to be back. Yeah, it's been a long winter without much meteor activity. Yeah, uh, we've had some nice fireballs lately. Oh, and we actually had three fireballs in a row drop meteorites. So uh, that was pretty cool. And w- were those all recovered? Yes, yes, believe it or not. The first one uh, fell over France, and it was actually discovered about six hours before it entered the atmosphere. Oh, my. So uh, that was pretty cool, and a lot of folks saw it from Britain and France, and it landed just just a few miles from the coastline in Normandy oh. and was recovered just a few days later. And that same week, there was another one uh, recovered in Italy. Mm. And then we had one in Texas that, surprisingly, we didn't have a whole lot of observers on that. The other other ones had several hundred. Uh, this was way down in the north of uh, Rio Grande and, and McAllen, that area there. So we only had about 20 reports. But uh, believe it or not, the, some somebody went out there and, and found it on his guy's ranch. So Wow. Uh, now the, the one the one that landed in France. I mean, that's the one that we saw ahead of time. That's true. Yes. Could so they closely was, predict where it was going to land? Or yes, oh. yes, and it was very close to the prediction. So that that was very cool. Oh, nice. Uh, like I said, it was only a few miles from the coast. Yeah. So if, if they had been off, it would have been in the drink, which would have been too bad. Yeah. 
But wow. uh, yeah, it was. It's been an exciting uh, winter for for meteors, uh, fireballs, and meteorites. But mm-hmm. uh, for the overall meteor activity, nah, not so much. Uh, yeah, this is this is a doldrums time for us. The uh, southern hemisphere enjoys their, their highest sporadic rates this time of year, uh, but the the meteor showers are you know pretty pretty dull. So. Mm. So we're going to talk about the Lyrids today? We have the Lyrids coming up in, in April. They're active basically the second uh, half of, of April, beginning around the 15th. And they're a shower that uh, radiate from actually the border of Hercules and, and Lyra, probably about seven degrees southwest of the bright star Vega, which everybody knows. Mm-hmm. And that uh, this time of year, it rises about 10 o'clock in the evening. But you really don't want to try to see any meteors in because most of them are actually going to be shooting in, you know, down. I mean, be covered by trees or even below the horizon. Yeah. So you only see a small fraction of, uh, of the actual activity when the, when the radiant lies close to the horizon. So it's best to wait to, uh, at least till midnight, even even a little bit later. To, to see the lyrics at their best. Okay. Uh, actually, serious people, you know, get up at three in the morning and then watch between three and dawn. At that time, it's it's very high in, in the sky, almost a zenith for some folks. Okay. And uh, if anything is going to happen, that that would be the time. So. Okay. Uh, for 2023, the circumstances are good. Uh, there's a new moon, I believe, on the 23rd, which coincides with the uh, the maximum. Oh, fantastic! And another good thing about that is that's on a Saturday. Oh, even better! So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, not often that happens. So, whenever you can plan a meteor shower for the weekend, that's certainly great. Happens to be Earth Day too, so oh. that, that that's pretty cool. All celebrations. Yeah. Uh, we've taken the last 20 years and figure out when the maximums happen for the shower. And if it happens at the same time, which probably it won't, things never cooperate like it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. But it's predicted for uh, 6 p.m. Pacific time or 9 p.m. Eastern time, daylight time, that is, uh, on, on, that, on that Saturday evening. Okay. So, uh, and to to be honest, uh, the the closer you are to the maximum, the, uh, the the better it is. So I think the east coast of North America will be a little bit better situated uh, than than the west. Okay. And uh, folks that are over in Europe will see it uh, peak just before dawn, so they'll they'll be better better shaped than us if it behaves as expected. Yeah. Now, I've I've been out there on the, on the peak morning, but probably twelve or eighteen hours away from it, and I've been out in the desert in the dark skies, and I've seen just a trickle of meteors. Mm. So, on the other hand, when I was closer to the maximum, I've been in my front yard where the sky is not nearly as good, but I've seen ten to fifteen an hour. Oh my! So. Well, what can you say? It's a it's a crapshoot. <laughs> yeah. Now, how bright are these typically? You know what? They can produce uh, fireballs, and 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 a majority of them are easily visible to the to the naked eye. So, uh, but if you really want to take advantage of it, you probably want to find the darkest site possible, mm-hmm. because as the old saying goes, the more stars you can see, yep. the more meteors you'll see. 
But uh, they're not shy of being bright. I've seen a few uh, lyric fireballs. And um, the the velocity on these are probably a medium fast, not quite as fast as a Perseids, but uh, still uh, fast enough to per, uh, produce a persistent train, which is a kind of a smoke, uh, a streak of mm -hmm. smoke a after the meteor's actually disappeared. And these normally last half second or a second after it's gone. And uh, if you ever get one that lasts up to five seconds, it's fascinating. You can see them twist and turn uh, in the upper atmosphere. So that's what that's that's very cool. That's it. Now, how many observers do you usually have for like the lyrics? Not a whole lot. Uh, I don't know if it's the weather that time of year, but mm -hmm. you think it'd be improving. But it uh, doesn't seem to drum up a whole lot of excitement. You mm -hmm. know, not like the Geminids or or the or the the, the Perseids. But uh, that's why we, we actually need more observers yeah. to try try for showers like this, you know, the this one and the Ursids, you know, not not the more popular, but mm -hmm. they do have surprises. Uh, the uh, Lyrids produced an outburst back in 1982. Mm -hmm. No one expected it. Uh, we've we've found out the reason for that is uh, every 60 years uh, there seems to be a, a denser concentration of uh, meteors within the orbit of the Lyrids. Uh, this happened when the comet was at perihelion back in 1862. And what comet also was that? I beg your pardon? What, what comet was that? Oh, Comet Thatcher. Okay. Uh, I don't know the exact name of it, but it's, it last appeared in 1862. Okay. And 60 years later, in 1922, there was an outburst of about 60 hmm. uh, Lyrids an hour. It didn't last very long, but still 60... And uh, even going back before the, the last appearance of the comet, in uh, 1802, hmm. uh, there was a very strong uh, appearance of, of the Lyrids. So uh, if we had been a little bit more aware, you know, 1922 and <laughs> 60, 1982, well, guess what? No one was expecting it. Right. And the East Coast got about 80 an hour wow. for a few hours that night. And I remember I was driving out here at about 11 o'clock, and the radiant was fairly low, and yet I was surprised to see meteors like every 30 seconds while I was driving. I, you know, I wasn't even paying attention to That's the crazy. sky. They were just shooting in front of my face. Wow. So naturally, when I finally got to my dark sky site, set up my, my lounge chair, it was over. <laughs> uh, of course. Wow. <laughs> But you filed a report driving, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So. <laughs> wow. So that's, that just means we need more observers for this this uh, meteor shower as well. I mean, it's, most definitely. You don't most know definitely. how many it's going to be, and it could be good. And it's, it's a Saturday it, night. So. It's a Saturday night. We're not expecting a, a rain of meteors, but uh, some don't, interesting don't. Uh, activity nonetheless. Yeah. So. In California, they don't say rain. Okay. <laughs> right, now we're heading out. <laughs> now this time last year we were doing rain dances remember that's right now it's like <laughs> stop already <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's hard to get what you ask for so. i know it is it? so anybody else on the lyrics you want to talk about yeah actually just as the lyrics start to wane there's another shower that's related to halley's comet that starts uh intercepting the earth and this is known as the eta aquarius and the reason for that is these meteors will appear to shoot from the star Eta Aquarian, which is uh, located uh, 
in the uh, water bowl or water jar, whatever they call it. And uh, more modern people call it the, the peace sign because it looks like an upside down peace sign right. in, the, in the sky. But uh, the difference between that and the Lyras is the eight Aquarians are only about 45 degrees from the sun. Therefore, it only rises about three o'clock our time. Mm. So no, you're not going to see any eight Aquarians in the evening hours. Okay. Now, the full moon occurs right with the maximum on the shower. Oh. So normally that would kind of from uh, put a major damper on it. But there have been studies into previous outbursts of the Ada Aquarius and its sister shower, the Orionids. They're both produced by Halley's Comet. Mm-hmm. And there have been major outbursts of, of both these showers in the past. And it seems that the particles from Halley's Comet encounter uh, Jupiter every every six years. Um, it's a cause of resonance where these these uh, there's a close approach, and the particles will actually get pushed inward toward the Earth uh, for a small section of the orbit. So. Now you would think uh, every six years this we, that is, that's going to produce an outburst that you know at least almost twice a decade. Well, it's it's not quite that simple because the Earth has to be in the right spot to inter you know intercept this. So it only actually happens about every sixty years, kind kind of like the uh, lyrics. Okay. So we expect the. Eight Aquarius, which which normally produce on on a dark sky night, uh, probably about twenty five to thirty meteors an hour, uh, right before it, it, it starts getting light in the morning, which is probably around four thirty to five for more, mm-hmm. most folks in the uh, northern hemisphere. So, if you take the uh, if you were to place a radiant overhead, though, uh, that equates to about seventy five meteors an hour. Oh my. Taking that, uh, you know, a fraction of those meteors you see uh, while while it's only halfway up in the sky will will be obscured by the horizon. So the zenith hour rate, what we call it, is is probably going to be close to seventy five uh, this year. So the moon is going to be low in the west, and it will obscure at, at least half of them. Okay. If not more, it all depends on how transparent your sky is. Right. But still, uh, the the uh, Aquarius are very uh, interesting meteors. I they they look like lances to me. They're very sharp. They're very fast because they're hitting the Earth almost head on, hmm. and a great majority of uh, leave persistent trains. Now, one odd thing is there's not a whole lot of fireballs from the shower, but a lot of them are still bright and, like I said, produce persistent trains. So they're very interesting to watch. And uh, this shower uh, is actually, it, it doesn't have a real sharp peak like the Lyrids. Um 
it has more of a plateau shape uh, activity curve. So it will rise during the last uh, few weeks of April and reach a plateau between May 1st and May 10th, and then slowly drop off during the remainder of the month of May. So on May 6th, when we're expecting the most of these eight Aquarians, uh, happens to be another Saturday, <laughs> so oh we're, we're 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 getting lucky uh, during the early part of 2023. That's good. But uh, instead of concentrating your efforts on one or two nights, uh, any time between, like, like I said, the first of May and the tenth, if you sky skies are clear, go out during the last couple hours uh, before dawn, face toward the east, and look for these meteors to shoot upward from the eastern horizon. Uh, they're very spectacular, okay. and they're, they look um, quite unlike the, most of the meteors you see, which are usually much slower and will, will shoot in different directions. Sounds like two completely different meteor showers, too. Defi they definitely are, yes. That's wild. Good. Now, on the ALPO website, we have a, you have a blog about meteor showers and stuff, too, I believe? Right. Yeah. And I always uh, write uh, highlights about these these particular major showers uh, per year. So I will uh, introduce articles for the for the lyrics approximately April 1st. And as soon as the lyrics are over, I'll post another one on the eight Aquarius, which will give a little more in-depth on where to see them. I'll include charts. Of, of the radiance and okay. uh, and where to look, how to look, so everything basically need to have a successful uh, meteor watch for these for these showers. Okay, and I'll put a link to those locations too in the uh, podcast notes for anybody that might be interested in doing a little bit further research on this. Now, I would encourage folks to, to if you're like I said, your skies are clear, because once the eight Aquarians uh, wind down, there's going to be almost two months before anything uh, exciting is going to happen. Mm -hmm. The from mid May through mid July is kind of another another doldrums, and then when when the, when the, when the fifteenth of July happens, it looks like someone turns on the spigot <laughs> because all of a sudden, boom, you're into some Perseids, some Aquarius, right. some Capricornus. All of a sudden, it looks like the the, the showers are here and producing activity. So That's right. every year we do a summertime meteor shower podcast. <laughs> you betcha. Yeah. You betcha. Now, are there yeah. books out there if people are interested in learning more about meteor showers? Well, I just happen to have one. You do? Funny yeah. about that. Why should I ask? <laughs> yeah, it's called Meteors and How to Observe Them. Really original title there. <laughs> but uh, it's about 10 years old now. But uh, I've I've given details on meteor showers through 2040. Oh, wow. So uh, this is still good for a couple of years. <laughs> and where is that available? It's available Amazon or any oh. bookstore. Okay. And it's called Meteors and How to Observe Them. Produced by Springer, and just okay. look for it under Robert Lutzford. Perfect. That's that makes sense right there. <laughs> All right, Bob. Anything else you want to share with our listeners today? Oh, uh, some folks might be asking about the Ta Hercules. Okay, uh, that was pretty much a one-shot deal. Uh, we do expect to uh, encounter some more particles, probably around the year twenty twenty-nine. So, God willing, if I'm still around, I'll be happy to give you all a warning about that. Okay. And I'm sure we'll have some updates because there'll be a lot of research between then and now. Sounds but good. Uh, that uh, that 
Memorial Day shower last year was quite fascinating mm-hmm. and uh, quite unique to have see something so strong so early in the evening. I wish it wish more more like that. (laughs) Yeah, I I feel that same way about comets. (laughs) Right. And uh, don't forget to visit the ALP website uh, and Mm -hmm. meter sections because I do include a uh, weekly update, even when the the moon's full. If you get the itch to go out and do a little meteor observing, it's a great way to relax, learn the sky, and uh, see yourself a couple of good meteors, maybe even a fireball. Yeah, and all the reports you get, you publish them there, right? Um, I, I archive them, and I, I do ask, actually uh, encourage folks to uh, to send the reports to the meteor uh, uh, international meteors uh, mm-hmm. organization. They have the capability of publishing them online and comparing them with, with uh, observers worldwide. So uh, you know, I've I, I've I've done it in the past where we've published. Pretty much American, uh, but to to get over you know, to get an overall view, uh, it's best to have a worldwide. Okay. And that was a, basically the creation, the reason for the creation for the IMO. And uh, it's it's we uh, cooperate with them, share observations and uh, fireball reports. So it's a great working relationship with them. So. Uh, but uh, you can definitely send your observations to me via email. My my uh, address is plastered all over the Alpo website. Yeah, it's in our show to, notes as well, yeah. Yeah, I have no trouble finding them. And I always respond and encourage you, uh, and uh, I'll give you hints too. So. All right. Well, sounds good. Thanks for coming on the podcast again. Bye. My pleasure. We'll see you again come summer. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. I got to want to thank Bob Lunsford for coming on and give us a very good discussion about upcoming meteor showers. Get out there and observe them. We upload new episodes of the Observer's Notebook on the 1st and 15th of every month. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, hey, give us a rating and a review. I really appreciate it. It brings more people to the podcast, which gives us more visibility. You can also listen on Apple Radio, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon Echo, Spotify, and we're also available on the ALPO YouTube channel. You can help support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon. You can give up to $35 a month, where you'll receive one year's membership to the ALPO and producer credits on the podcast. With that, I want to thank the producer of this podcast, Steve Seedentop, and Michael Moyer for their generous support of the Observer's Notebook. The link for Patreon, as well as the link for the Alpo, is available in the show notes. If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is cometman at cometman.net or on Twitter at, at @observersnbpod. And until next time, my hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening. <laughs>